Ever wonder how other people handled their money? You do. But most people don't like to talk about it, right? Well, I think they should. So let's ask them. We're launching a new series called How We Money, where we'll explore how other people deal with their personal finances. We're going to learn about their goals, what they struggle with, what they've gotten right, what keeps them up at night, and more. I know everyone has questions about money, especially me. So let's get settled in, get a little uncomfortable, and talk about it. Because the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. And because it's only fair, I'm going to go first. In this episode, I'm joined under protest by my wife, Diane, to discuss our history with money, what we're doing today to help reach our goals. Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast dedicated to helping you demystify the sometimes complex topic of money. I'm Adam Cox, head of wealth management for the First National Bank in Sioux Falls. We're a community bank based out of South Dakota. In this podcast, we share expert insights from around the country and stories from our local community to arm you with the tools you need to make better financial decisions. Because the truth is, the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. Diane, welcome back to the pod. Good to have you. Thanks. Good to be back. Well, since you were here last time, we've added video, which is exciting. Yeah. I know you were excited about that. <laughs> so excited. Everyone loves being on video with these things. So. <laughs> Uh, so you were my first guest once upon a time. That's uh, true. Back in season one, episode four, I think it was, we talked about money and marriage, and uh, that has been one of our most popular episodes. So oh, wow. yeah, I thought we'd get the band back together uh, begrudgingly, right? <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> uh, talk a little bit more about uh, about money and finance. But this time we're going to do a little bit of a, a different take on it. We asked our listeners what questions they would ask to their friends, their families, or their neighbors if they had the courage to ask them about money. Okay. And so we got a bunch of really good questions. So I thought you and I would be the guinea pigs and we'll uh, we'll answer some questions and give people some food to thought and hopefully start the conversation. Sounds great. All right. You ready for the first question? I'm ready. Okay. All right. So how do you split up financial responsibilities? Uh, great question. Probably a lot like most people, I would say. Uh, historically, you've handled mostly the day-to-day, mm-hmm. so money movement and bill payment, things like that. I've handled the longer-term issues, the the investments, the financial planning. We've both tried to figure out taxes together mm-hmm. um, and estate planning, stuff like that. But regardless of who does what, you and I have always made it a point to uh, find time to get on the same page with that stuff, whether it was budget meetings, going over logging mm-hmm. all of our expenses, or whether it's investment reviews. I think it, it's worked pretty well. How's it worked from your perspective? Yeah, I think it worked great um, or has been working great. Um, it matches our different personalities. I think you're more strategic, long-term thinking. I'm more what's happening in the moment, <laughs> you know, hour by hour planning. So I think it's worked well. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you have separate or combined accounts? Yeah. Um, so I'd say mostly combined. Uh, you've got a business account, which which mm-hmm. I'm not on. Um, and then forever you had this rogue account uh, on your own. <laughs> it was your personal checking account. You bring that up. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I was always kind of like. I should clarify. <laughs> it was always kind of like this account where I thought like you would use it if you had to get out of a marriage like in the middle of the night. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not what that was. So just to clarify, there was an account that I had um, before we were married and it was in Indiana, which we're now in South Dakota. Yep. And, you know, I think even at the time when we were married, we were in Minneapolis. So quite, mm. quite far away. And it was a local bank and <laughs> not just as easy as picking up the phone to cancel the account. So I just never got around to it. 
Yeah. Well, it, you know, right when we got married, we made the decision to combine our finances and we were young. We didn't have hardly any finances to combine at the mm-hmm. time. So it was pretty easy for us. But I think for us, it was really important to have an open line of communication as far as what's coming in and what's going out because money was tight uh, yeah. at the beginning. So that was a pretty easy decision for us. I know that it's not always maybe the best decision or the right decision for everybody else. You know, speaking specifically to people who are getting married later in life for the first time or those that have gone through a divorce and they're going to get remarried, you know, maybe they aren't as comfortable combining finances, certainly not right away. And I, I totally get that. So um, I think the biggest takeaway, though, for any couple is you have to have open communication and be transparent to some level. You don't have to maybe see every transaction that goes in and out, but you have to have that communication that's open and everyone has to know what's coming in and what's going on. I think that's the biggest thing for mm-hmm. how you combine finances. Yep, true. Okay, next question. How do you track spending? All right, let me back up a little bit um, for further explanation before I launch into how we do it. Um, as you think about tracking spending, I think you can approach it two different ways. One is you can track spending in a traditional way, which is a budget that everyone um, kind of knows. So you know what's coming in, you know what's going out, everything has an assigned value. And you know whether it's you're spending on dry cleaning, you're spending on food or retirement savings, you know where everything is going. That's a traditional budget. Uh, a savings budget, on the other hand, is um, just a little bit of a different focus where you're tracking what you're saving, not necessarily what you're spending. So uh, for instance, if you said we're going to save 25% of our uh, gross income into retirement savings, we set that up, we automate it, and then we just really focus on that and we don't really track the other stuff where, where it goes. Um, we've done both. Right. Mm -hmm. So we started off and for the longest time we did a traditional budget and we tracked spending down to the the penny. And we did that for years. Uh, More recently, we've kind of moved towards the savings um, budgeting a little bit more. So how have you thought about that? How's it worked for you? And yeah, I think um, it's worked well as far as, you know, at the beginning of our marriage, as you mentioned, we were fairly broke. Yeah. Um, and so it was necessary for us to track to the penny. Yep. Um, whereas now we have a little bit more cushion, you know, having um, more of a savings goal for this yep. time in our lives makes sense um, versus at the beginning of our marriage where we really did have to track to the penny because we didn't have that cushion. All right. Next question. All right. How do you handle it when one spouse likes to spend more freely? Do you discuss only the purchases over a set amount and let the little amounts slide? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so neither of us are huge spenders, right? Um, although I spend more in chunks <laughs> than you do. So I guess I'll put the question back to you. Uh-oh. How do you feel when I go out and spend money? Yeah, that's that's changed over the years. So when we were first married and again, budgeting to the penny. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I would see this large purchase come through. It made me a little nervous, although, um, you know, I still understood that, you know, you have a longer term picture in mind for our fin- finances. And you kind of, if you felt comfortable with making that purchase, I should too. Sure. Um, and the more we communicated about it too, I think that helped. Um, now it's definitely more, you know, it, I'm more comfortable with it. I think I kind of understand where we are. We've talked enough over the years that we both 
know um, the grand scheme of things. And so I think, again, communication is key. If you're going to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars, it'd be good to know. Same thing on my end. I would let you know. Yep. No, I think that's the the biggest takeaway for for any couple is if there are things, whether it's a set dollar amount that you as a couple set to say nothing over this amount without talking first. And I know some couples, the amount will be really low, just either they're, they they don't have the the wherewithal to do it, or they're just really, really control freaks Mm -hmm. about that sort of stuff. You have to set um, an amount um, that's comfortable for both of you and then play within those rules. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know now that I just get closed quarterly versus. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I'm predictable. Very predictable. <laughs> yes. By quarterly, it's to the day. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. Okay. How do you talk about your goals and how you'll reach them? Yeah. So this used to be really easy for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, when we started off, we not only did we not have a ton of money, we had a ton of debt. And for us, it was pretty easy. Our goal was to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a secondary goal, which was to save for retirement as well. But that felt so far off that really our near ter- term goal was to to get that debt paid off. And that informed everything that we did. That informed how much house we got, whether we went on vacation and how much we could put towards retirement, uh, whether or not we could redo a kitchen. Like that really was everything to us. Mm-hmm. So um, now I think we're kind of in a different phase. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we probably haven't come up with any new goals yet. So I think specifically not really short-term goals. I think we still always have the goal to you know, retire comfortably, but that's a long time from now. And so we probably have some work to do there. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it was just a short time ago where those goals kind of felt so far in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we probably should sit down and really kind of brainstorm what it is that we'd like to achieve over the next, whatever, two, five, 10 years. Yeah, I agree. Work to be done. All right. Next question. How do you balance short-term versus long-term goals? It's a great question. Um, I think the key word there is balance. So in most cases, you have to strike some level of balance between short-term and long-term goals. Um, with one exception that I can think of right, o- right off the bat, and that would be people with a lot of high interest debt. So no matter what you want to do long-term from, from a financial standpoint, you're probably not going to be able to get that done if you've got high interest debt eating away at you every month. So in a situation like that, it may make sense to put those long-term goals on the shelf um, for mm-hmm. another day until you get the short-term goals taken care of. But in every other circumstance, you know, you're looking at, paying off student loans, paying off mortgages, saving for retirement. You know, those are strategic uh, conversations. And sometimes it, it, the answer can be different for different people. So, you know, should you make that extra payment on the student loan or should you pay extra on your mortgage or take the term from a 30-year to a 15-year? I think that uh, those conversations are best had with a financial planner to set those priorities and, um, and what you're trying to achieve. And I, I mean, I think... Uh, an example for you and I that we can share is we've been kicking around the idea recently of getting a different house mm-hmm. and our, because of our past experiences, you know, we're pretty debt averse. Um, and so I think our inclination, if we go get a mortgage, would probably be to freak out a little bit and mm-hmm. to want to pay it off as quickly as possible. 
And that may not be the best. In fact, it probably isn't the best financial decision for us given our age and our circumstance. So mm-hmm. um, trying to balance those two things, the short term and long term is, is really key. And again, having a planner and having a financial plan in place can help you do that. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right. Next question. Should your perspective change as you move into different phases of wealth building? Absolutely. Um, but it's a heck of a lot easier than it sounds. So for, again, for us, our early years, you know, were kind of defined by scarcity. Not necessarily that we didn't have anything, but that we acted like we didn't have anything mm-hmm. and, um, you know, lived on the one salary and tried to accelerate debt payments and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, I assumed that once we got past that, my perspective would change a little bit, like mm-hmm. a, a switch would flip, so to speak, and I'd think and I'd act and I'd feel a little bit differently. And I don't know that I have. Have you? No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also thought it was going to be like a switch being flipped and it was not. It is very slow. I'm slowly coming around to, you know, being comfortable making a bit larger purchases than mm. I was in the past. Um, yeah, it's definitely not like I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, as you think about the traditional uh, investing arc, you know, when you're young and you've got a ton of years for compounding interest to work, you really want to focus on you know, getting, getting big debts out of your life, um, but also investing early and often. And when you do that, you do it well and you set yourself up financially and you have a good foundation, a good base to work off of. As you get to be a little bit older and you've hit those goals, you can kind of back off a little bit, which I think is probably where we're at, but we're struggling backing off a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and I see this a lot with people who are retiring too. You know, they spent their whole life accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. And then one day the income gets turned off mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden they're having to live on the money that they accumulated and there's nothing else coming in. Well, that can be really disconcerting for folks. And again, I hate to keep harping on it, but that's where working with a financial planner and having that financial plan in place can give you the guardrails between which you've got to operate and give you that comfort level and lower your anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. What really matters to you? For example, trade-offs. Hmm. I'll let you start on this one. What matters to you at this point? Um, you know, I just hit my 40th birthday, <laughs> as you may really? have heard a few times this no, month. No, I didn't hear anything about um, that. Huh. So I think at this stage, I am all about balance. I'm okay. trying to figure out, you know, balancing Um, Do we have enough saved for the kids? Do Mm. we have enough saved for retirement? But also, what should we be doing now to live our life and enjoy our lives and, you know, be more focused on um, experiences than just constantly saving and, as in the past, you know, trying to pay off debt. So I think my focus is going to be more towards balance, and that's what really matters to me right now. Sure. Well, you'll be good for me. Um, You can help (laughs) moderate my behavior a little bit is mine minus security um again you know where we started going through all that financial security is a a really big thing for me i don't want to feel like we felt um when we started off and so um now saying that i aspire to balance Mm -hmm. it's a work in progress (laughs) i'm trying to figure that out um i think this year we've probably done a little bit better um than we have in the past but we're we're still a work in progress here. I know I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. Who keeps you accountable? 
I'd say each other. Um, you know, it was easy in the beginning to be accountable to the one or two goals that we have. And we held each other accountable because we had those shared goals. And then we started working with a, you know, financial advisor and they, and they helped us as well too. But unless you see it differently, I think, I think we yeah. hold each other accountable pretty well. I agree. Yeah. Our check-ins are a really good thing for me to understand where we are. And I mean, I also feel like we hold ourselves accountable, Yeah, you know, I think um, both of us are a little bit hesitant to do anything without first discussing it with another. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next question. What would you say is the greatest financial decision you've made? Yeah. So I could take the cop out and give you the easy answer, which you might expect, which is invest early and uh, pay off debt. But I'm not going to do that. That's boring. Yeah, that's super boring. Uh, I'm going to say the greatest financial decision I've made is marrying you. And bear with me. This is not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Marry me for my money? Yeah, no, no. I didn't have any. Yeah, no, that's right. I Well, I had decidedly less. I had a lot of negative balances. Um, I, I would say it was marrying you because, you know, 2020 and 2021 even have been really, really tough on mm-hmm. marriages. And we've seen a lot of people that we know go through divorce. And I heard the other day that a divorce can take your net worth down by as much as 70%. Ooh. And so if you're doing that in your 30s and in your 40s and even your 50s, like that is hugely detrimental to the ability to live your life in a comfortable way. And so getting marriage right and finding the right partner is hugely important. If you ever wonder how destructive it can be to go through a divorce, um, you know, ask your friends and your family that have gone through it and, mm-hmm. and how that has impacted their personal finances. So um, when you find the right partner, uh, it can be really, really powerful for accumulating assets. Plus, you know, you get to love each other and <laughs> maybe have some kids and all those sort of things too. But um, I would say that's the best financial decision I've made. How about you? Now, how are you going to live up to that one? Well, th- this is a totally different angle. <laughs> but when I first read this question, I was thinking about our wedding and our budget that we set for our wedding and just the fact that we stuck to that budget, yeah. which was pretty low. I mean, I think yeah. we all in all was it. Under ten grand, it was I don't definitely under ten thousand. Exactly. Yeah, including the honeymoon. True, very yeah. true. So that's what came to mind when I when I read this. Yeah, pretty right. proud of that moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is your best money moment? Paying off student loan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first episode you and I did together, we talked quite a bit about that loan and some of the things that we did to get rid of it. You know, it was two hundred and twenty thousand dollars or so, and um, I carried that burden with me for a long time. And so getting that paid off, that making that last payment was just like a giant weight off my shoulder. So mm-hmm. to date, that's definitely been the best money moment I've had. Yeah. How about you? No, that is, that is the same for me. I mean, so much of our paychecks went to that each month. And yeah. when we got that paid off, it was just, that was more of a switch being flipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a moment. That felt good. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. What is your worst money moment? Uh, I'll let you start on this one. <laughs> Gosh, can I say marrying into debt? Is that going to get me in trouble? (laughs) So, all right. So just let's pause there. My greatest financial decision was marrying you and your worst money moment was marrying me. So that's that's good. It's fair. Please explain. (laughs) Okay. So before we were married, I was, I was very hypervigilant about, you know, only spending what I could afford, didn't yep. carry a credit card balance, went to uh, went through college years without getting a student loan or 
um, you know, didn't go into any debt. Mm -hmm. And then here I am, I get, I get married and immediately (laughs) within a literal second Mm -hmm. (laughs) was what, 200 and something thousand dollars in debt. Yep. Your student loans. So yeah, that's my explanation for that one. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's fair. I hope I've roomed you myself since then. For sure. (laughs) Okay. Next question. All right. Do you spend on things or experiences? Uh, things, right? I mean, aspire to have more experiences. Yeah. But 2020 was going to be our year of fun. (laughs) We all know how that turned out. (laughs) We didn't make any promises in 2021, so maybe another year. Yeah. Um, But I'd say at this point, it's been mostly things. Yeah. And we, it's not like we really buy a lot of things either. It's probably a little bit of neither. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we aspire to do more experiences. We spend on neither. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we save. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. All right. What money advice would you give your younger self? You know, you're doing the right things. It's, if you're doing it well, um, it's going to be painful and hard at first, but, um, in the end, the decisions that you make um, when you're young financially are going to be some of the most impactful decisions that, that you can make. And so putting in the work, making those sacrifices and building that foundational um, base from which to build off um, may not, may feel like it's a million years in the distance and it's going to, the payoff is going to be um, forever from now, but in the end, it'll be very, very worth it. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I I agree. Um, I don't have any regrets about our financial decisions over mm-hmm. the past years. Um, yeah, nothing I would do necessarily different. So I would say, yeah, we to tell our younger selves we're doing the right things, we're on the right track. Maybe live life a little bit more. Yeah, that's where the balance comes in. Um, right. But yeah, that's I agree. Good. Well, you made it through another episode. Was yeah, that all right? It wasn't so bad. It wasn't Thanks. so bad. I can't promise. I won't ask you again. Could you? Yeah, (laughs) maybe, maybe. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining me. We appreciate it and hope everybody found some, uh, some useful tidbits out of this. Yes, thank you. All right. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe and share with your family or friends. If you have a topic you want us to cover in future episodes, send us a note through our website. And if you're at the point where you want an expert opinion on your finances, reach out and we'd be happy to start a conversation. And remember... Any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor.